turn this morning to the book of Mark. We'll be in Mark chapter number 2, the book of Mark, and we'll begin reading in chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 1. And we'll read the first 12 verses this morning of a fairly familiar story in the gospel of Mark. And we'll see what the Lord has for us this morning. And while you're turning, let me remind you of the service tonight at 6 o'clock and then all the activities of the week. But Mark chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading with verse number 1. And follow along with me, if you will, down through verse number 10. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. When it could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it be, it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed and walk. That ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Uh, One example in Scripture of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's one example of certainly a miracle that Christ performed. This is an interesting story and one that I've preached from many times, but there's not only the miracle that's pertained there, but there's also the uh, naysayers, the critic, the ones who would ultimately reject the truth in there. Uh, Those Pharisees that had a hard time, those religious that had a hard time, and they ask a question in verse number 7, who can forgive sins but God only? Well, they just answered their own question. Uh, the Son of God, of course, was Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to look at this passage. I want to remind us of some very basic things this morning, but I want to preach on this subject. Leaving different than you came. Leaving different than you came. If there was ever a man who left a meeting different than he came, it was this man. If there was ever a man whose life was changed, his future was altered, it was this man. Aren't you glad that if you're saved this morning, you left different than you came? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you can leave different than you came. Religion won't change you. Man can't change you. You can't even change yourself. But... Through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can leave different than you came. Father, I pray that you'd meet with us this morning. May you bless 
what takes place today. May the Spirit of God even now begin to work in our hearts. And Father, may the truths that are highlighted this morning in the message, may they be good reminders of, for us. May we be reminded this morning of our own salvation. May we be reminded this morning of the need of salvation for others. May we be reminded of the greatest truth in the world is salvation is obtained through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, may the Spirit of God work in each and every heart this morning. If there's one here today who's unsaved, may they get their salvation settled. If there's a child of God who needs to take that next step in their life, and uh, what, no matter what it may be, may they surrender to that today. Uh, we ask that your will be done, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's a man, as I've already mentioned, whose life has been changed, it's this man. As I was thinking about this story and preparing for this message this morning, I, this thought came to mind. Here's a man who was lowered through the roof, but walked out the front door. And certainly we have an understanding of this story and the great crowd that had gathered around the Lord to where uh, these four individuals who were concerned about the condition of this man... And they had made the effort to bring him to the Lord. They could not get to him. And so I think we're, most of us are familiar enough with the story they know, to know that, as the Scripture tells us this morning, they took him up on the roof and began to break away the roof so they could lower him down into the presence of the Son of God. They had enough faith to believe that Christ would do this. And then we have read the exchange this morning of, how when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick man with, of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And the religious, the scribes, those religious that were there as observers that day, they wanted to see what this man Jesus was all about. Immediately, their religious training kicked in. How dare anyone say that they can forgive sins? Only God could forgive sins. And the fact that they had just witnessed this effort, they were there because of all of the mystery around the Lord Jesus. And then Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew what they were reasoning in their hearts. And so he said, why reason ye in your hearts? If you didn't believe he was God before, something should have begun to register when he's reading your mind. When he's asking you about the things that you're thinking, then something should have alerted you that there's something different about him. He must be the Son of God. Jesus went back and forth with them and, of course, answered what they were reasoning. And now he looked to this man, and I find it interesting in verse 10, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He says, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And then something took place that was indisputable. Something took place uh, that was life-changing. In verse 12, and immediately he arose, and the bed that he was carried on, he picked it up, and he carried it home. The power of the, the, the Son of God was on full display. 
Those that were there glorified God. And what a wonderful phrase at the end of verse number 12. We never saw it on this fashion. I think of when I read that, I think of a lot of lost men and women who've gone to religious services. And they left the same way they came in. They left in the same condition. If I can put it in the context of our story this morning, they were carried in by four, and then they were carried out by four because nothing could change them. And I think of this statement, we never saw it on this fashion. Something was different that day, and what was different was the fact that the person who had been carried in, aided by the help of others, no longer needed that help they could, he could just pick up the bed and walk out the front door. He left different than he came. My mind also thinks of those who come to not just a religious service, but they come to a place where the Word of God is preached and the Spirit of God is evident. And maybe your life was changed in a service just like this. You came in expecting just another religious service, but the Spirit of God worked. The power of God was real, and you called upon the name of the Lord. Maybe some said, never have I seen it after this fashion. I want to make a couple of observations this morning before I give you the outline. As we see the change in this man, this man who others had to bring, and yet he leaves under his own power because of what Jesus did for him. And I want us to notice that there are two things that took place that were necessary in order for this story for us to even read about it today. It's two things that we as a church, as the Emmanuel Baptist Church, we must be aware of and we must pay attention to because I believe it is missing in our world today. Even amongst churches, we are getting away from these two key things that are absolutely necessary in the conversion of individuals, in the transformation of lost souls to a safe soul. We see it, first of all, the first key we find in verse number 1, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And then we see at the end of verse number 2, what was he doing? And he preached the word unto them. It is key for those to know about the Lord, the word must be preached. If there are those who are going to be aided into the house and then they leave different than they came, then the word of God must be preached. I find it very important for you and I to notice that the Son of God himself, what was he doing? Preaching the word. And if the word was preaching the word, I think in 2020 it is necessary for us to still preach the Word. That is something we cannot get away from. That's why no matter what takes place throughout the year, no matter what changes from year to year, what must stay central, what must stay the same in the house of God is the preaching of the Word of God. I'm not buying into the lies. I'm not buying into what is being sold to us that people don't want to hear the Word of God preached anymore. I don't believe that at all. Let me tell you who doesn't want to hear the Word of God preached. Rebels don't want to hear the Word of God preached. 
But I believe there are people, they know that they need something. They know they need help. They know their life is not what it needs to be. They know there's more to it. And they are looking not for a production, but the preaching of the word of God. We've got great music. I think we've got the greatest music. But our church doesn't center around the music. It's always got to be the preaching of the word of God. That's the first key. That's a key we see in this story to the transformation. By way of introduction, the second key I want us to see is found in verse number 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he, he healed this man not based on his faith. Now, for clarification, you and I must be saved by our own faith. But when Jesus saw their faith, he was moved by it. And we still need... Christians who have faith enough to believe that if I get somebody to Jesus, he'll change them. It's amazing in this day we live in, you'd think Jesus isn't saving sinners anymore. You'd think lives aren't being transformed anymore. You'd think Jesus has lost all of his power, all of his ability, just because some so-called atheists say, this is 2020, he doesn't exist anymore. He doesn't do what he used to do. Some religious elites will tell us even today, oh, it's different. It can't be done like it used to be done. What we need are some Christians who still have the faith that will believe, if I can get this lost soul to Jesus, he'll save them. If I can get this lost soul to him, he'll change them. If I can get this broken home, this broken family, this broken couple, this broken life to him, I might have to drag them there. I might have to have some help getting them there. I might have to break out the roof to bring them in there, but they'll walk out the front door because I believe that he can still save them. Christian, ask yourself this question. Do you still believe that if a lost sinner is brought to Jesus, you still believe he can save them? You still believe their life can be changed? You still believe that that home can be transformed? Do you still believe that a sinner brought to him, their future will be changed? If you believe that, how's your faith in getting them to him? I wonder sometimes if we say we believe it, but I wonder if our actions really tell a different story. It's easy to say, I believe, that he still saves sinners. How much faith do we have to really make the effort to get them there. I know, Pastor, I tried. Six months ago, I left the track on the door. That's not what these individuals did. It says by four, they picked him up in his bed. Now, I don't know how big of a guy he was. But it was, he was big enough and needed four to help get him there. And then when they got to the crowd, they didn't act like a lot of Christians would act. Well, we did the best we can. Let's just leave him right here. Somebody else will hopefully get him and drag him in. Or maybe when church is dismissed, there'll be time for him. That wasn't good enough. 
they knew they had to get him to Jesus. So they get him up on the roof, which in itself took some effort. And then, now they got him there, we're a little bit closer, what are we going to do? They begin to break open the roof. And I imagine the committee that ran that little house church, they assembled very quickly because of the destruction that was taking place in their building. And, and this is not what this is here for. This, belong, this belongs to the Lord, and, and this is His, and this is holy. How dare somebody disrupt what we're doing? They broke open the roof, and they lowered Him down because they knew He needed to get to Jesus. They knew that Jesus would change His life there's two things that are evident in this story that are still true and evident today. The first is the preaching of the Word of God. The second is the faith, not just of the individual to believe, the faith of others to get them to Jesus. Do you realize that as I preach this morning, if there's a lost soul here, I cannot save them? Only Christ can save them. Do you realize this morning if you've got a lost neighbor, you've got a lost coworker, you've got somebody that you encounter, invite them to church, and you make the effort to get them here, you cannot save them. But, but you ought to have enough faith to believe that if I can just get them to the preaching of the Word of God, they'll at least have an opportunity to call on the name of Jesus, and Jesus can save them. The problem is not the Word of God. The problem is not... Jesus is not still saving sinners. The problem is a faith problem on behalf of the people of God where we say we have faith that Jesus still saves sinners, but we don't have faith enough to do what is necessary to get them to the Lord. Now, with this thought of leaving different that you came, I want to mention several truths with the foundation, if you will, this morning, the fact that we have to have the preaching of the Word of God and we have to have faith that Jesus can still do what Jesus can do. But I want to mention by way of outline this morning, first of all, number one, we see in this story, we see the attraction. We see the attraction. In verse number one, we have already read it, we'll read it again. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noise that he was in the house. What drew this crowd? Jesus did. He was the attraction. He was what attracted people to that house that day. And can I tell you what is still drawing men to God? Or should I say who is still drawing lost man to God? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the attraction. He was the one that drew those men bringing this man of the palsy, to them. It, he was the center of what was going on there that drew this crowd. And friend, we still have the command in this day we live in to still lift up Jesus and to preach Jesus. He was the attraction. I'm all for promotion. I'm all for invitation. But friend, let's keep in mind this morning that it must be about the Lord Jesus Christ. It must remain about the Lord Jesus Christ. And He 
is the attraction. I still believe the Spirit of God works in the heart of men. And when men are presented with the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, I still believe the Spirit of God works in the life of a lost sinner and brings them under conviction so that they can choose to, to put their faith in the Lord Jesus. But he's got to remain the attraction. Let me tell you what the attraction of the Emmanuel Baptist Church is. It's not the winning personality of the pastor. That's a bonus for you. But that is not the attraction this morning. The attraction is not the music that you've heard while it blessed our heart and it blesses our soul and it gets us in a spirit to hear the word of God. The attraction this morning is not the programs that we have. Although we have programs, the attraction is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is about Him. When you get ready for church on Sunday morning, I'm going to hear about Jesus. I'm going to put my focus on Jesus. Why why do you like the Emmanuel Baptist Church? Because it's about Jesus. What's different in the Emmanuel Baptist Church than every other church? I I can't tell you about all the other churches, but I can tell you about the Emmanuel Baptist Church. We're going to hear preaching on Jesus. We're going to hear singing about Jesus. He's going to remain the attraction. Well, Pastor, don't you know in 2020, you have to change everything and trick people into thinking they're not in church. We want you to come to our church so that you can feel like you're not in church. If you think about it, it doesn't even make logical sense. Come to our church so we can make you feel like you're in a club. Well, if I want to go to a club, I'll go to one that doesn't have third-rate singers. Come to our church and we'll make you feel like you're in a movie theater. Or in some cases, you can be in a movie theater. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for what it's about Him. I'm looking for Him to be uplifted. He is the attraction. Uh, Parents, teach your children. Uh, We're getting ready for Sunday school. Why are we going to Sunday school? Because we're going to learn about Jesus we got to be in church on Sunday. Why? Because it's the Lord's Day. We're going we're gonna to sing about Jesus. Get in the habit of inviting your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. Hey, come to church with me. It's about Jesus. Yeah, we've got programs, but you're going to hear about Jesus. You've got to meet Jesus. You've got to hear Jesus preached about. You've got to discover what he'll do in your life. Well, I don't understand why, why you get so excited about going to church. Oh, you'd understand if you'd ever met Jesus. He was the attraction. He must remain the attraction. It is heartbreaking. The thought of a lost man seeking God, knowing there's something that he needs to walk into the door through the doors of a religious service. And not find Jesus. Not find the Son of God. Friend, may it always be true that for a lost man to find Jesus, he can go to the Emmanuel Baptist Church. He can be introduced to the Son of God. He can be blessed on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night as the singing is about Jesus. 
The focus is about Jesus. The program's about Jesus. Friend, it is all about Him. He must remain the attraction. Let me, let me help all of us this morning. I know it's Sunday morning, but this is a good reminder for all of us. Hey, as you invite other people to your church, I want you to be excited about your church. I want you to be excited about your pastor. I want you to be excited about the music. But let me tell you, the greatest invitation centers around the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we learn about Jesus. We hear singing about Jesus. You're going to hear preaching about Jesus. He is the attraction. The attraction was Jesus. I see number two. I see the concern. If someone is going to leave different than they come, there has to be the right attraction. It has to be the Lord Jesus. No man can be saved just by attending a religious service. No man, religious or otherwise, can grant salvation on another man. Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So if, if there's going to be a change and someone comes, they're going to leave different than they came, there's got to be the attraction, but there's also got to be the concern. We see in verse number 3, and they come unto him. Who is this? It's the four that carry him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Someone had to be concerned enough to bring this man. Someone had to notice that this individual is not getting there on his own. Some man, somebody had to decide, as much as we would be blessed to get there early and get in the house and hear Jesus preach the word of God, somebody's got to make the effort to get this man to him. Because if he doesn't get to him, he's going to die as he is. There had to be the concern. Friend, I, I know the church I'm preaching to this morning. I know the history of this great church. I know without exaggeration the literal tens of thousands of souls that have been won to Christ through the years. But friend, let us not get complacent. Let us not lose our concern for the individual who cannot get to Jesus unless some man brings him. Let me remind all of us, somebody brought us to him. Somebody introduced us to him. Somebody made a way for you and I to discover him. We can't get so wrapped up and involved in what we're doing that we forget those who don't know about the Lord Jesus Christ, can't get to the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I just rejoice this morning that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, God meets with us. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we are blessed by the singing and the music. Sunday after Sunday, the Word of God is real. It is like a fire. It is like a hammer. It ministers to us. But let us not get so involved in our own needs that we forget that there are others who don't know what the Word of God would do for them. They don't know of the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And if someone is not concerned enough to invite them, if someone is not concerned enough to go back to them again, if someone is not concerned enough to, to get over the fact, well, they might think I'm rude, and be concerned enough to say, I'm going to put forth every effort I have and to get them to Jesus. Friend, the church exists. Jesus founded it not to be a religious country club. He founded it so that the, the, the gospel would be preached. That is our mission. We are edified. We are built up. We are encouraged. Why? So that we can go and tell others of, of a resurrected Savior. We must make the effort to get somebody to Him. Somebody's got to be concerned enough to do it. The problem today, even amongst independent Baptist churches, is not the fact that they don't believe Jesus saves. It's not the fact that they don't believe that Jesus would save the lost sinner. It's not the fact that they don't believe that Jesus would transform a life, transform a home. They're just not concerned enough to put forth the effort to bring them to Jesus. And since, since I'm on the subject this morning, I have no interest. I have no interest in pastoring a church that hires missionaries to go to other countries and we ignore the neighborhoods that we drive by on the way to church. I have no interest of breaking a record of how many missionaries we support while we let our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers die and go to hell without ever making an effort to get them to the Son of God. I have no interest in, in, in pastoring a church that way. Friend, we should support the missionaries, but not at the expense of ignoring those that we need to be concerned about, that we need to make the effort. And friend, just put forth the effort of making the invitation, the effort of being the witness, there was a concern. If there was no concern, there is no story we preach from this morning. And I've already alluded to it. I don't have time to go through all the effort that these men went through to get him to Jesus. There's a lot of people who notice, and I'm glad that we have a tender heart. We're reminded of the needs that others have. But we need to go, as Christians, we need to go a step further of having a heart that says that person needs Jesus, to being one of the four who'll grab a corner of a bed, say, all I need is three more to help me. We'll get him there. We need to go a little further than getting him to the house and realizing it's going to be a little more difficult. Well, I'll, I'll hoist him up if you'll help me hoist him up. Then being willing to go all the way. So we've got him this far. We've got to get him to Jesus. Can I tell you? This was a one-way journey for the men who helped him get there. Because when he left, he carried his own bed home. When he left, he walked home. But there was the concern, number three, this morning. We see the effect 
the effect is found in verse number, I'm sorry, that we see the effort, not the effect, we see the effort. And when they could not, verse 4, could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up and let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. I've already alluded to this just a moment ago. The concern went into the effort. There were obstacles. It was not convenient. Matter of fact, it was very inconvenient. Can I remind all of us that the commands of God are not based on our convenience? What we are instructed to do is not based on convenience. And there are too many Christians, quite frankly, this morning, there are too many Christians that schedule their service for God around, around their schedule and what is convenient for them. We need that concern to grow from just a concern to an effort. And too many times our heart is in the right, and this will help us this morning, our heart is in the right place, but we let the first obstacle keep us from getting someone to the Lord. We let the first obstacle stop us. This man could not get there on his own. You know what I love about these four men? At least from this story, from what we can see, on this day, with this task, they were not going to be denied. They were not leaving until this man got to Jesus. They were not stopping until they got him to Jesus. They were not going to quit until this man got to Jesus. This man was diseased. This man could not walk. This man could not function. There's only one person who could change that, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. They had this mindset, we're not stopping till we get him there. And I can imagine from their viewpoint, as they've already, they've labored to get this man there. They've labored to get him on the top of this house. They've, they've broken up the roof. They've dropped this man down. Can you understand the feeling they must have had peering down through that hole as now this sick man, this diseased man, is at the feet of the Son of God. And Jesus says to this man, Thy sins be forgiven. And then he says, Take up thy bed and walk. I know that man was excited. And I know that man knew that his life had been changed. But let us not forget the perspective from the roof as they peer down into the hole and they see all of the effort and the labor that they had invested. It had been changed. The man had been changed and they had a part in that because of their effort. Let me ask you this morning as a Christian, how's your effort? You can't save anyone. I can't save anyone. But I can make the effort to get somebody to Jesus. I can make the effort to get somebody to Him. How's your effort this morning in number four? And we conclude, we find the miracle. We've already read it. We'll read it again, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Verse number 11, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all. Insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. 
Before there was ever a miracle, there had to be the right attraction. Friend, let me, let me encourage you this morning. You're here this morning, but I want to encourage you. Stay plugged in as a member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. For the sake of the attraction. For the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot in our city who would say, oh, I want Jacksonville to, to, to know the Lord. I want Jacksonville to be saved. But they don't have the right focus. There is no miracle. Let me put it this way. Why did they choose that house? It wasn't the only house in the neighborhood. They chose that house because that's where Jesus was. So it does matter where the lost person comes. Sometimes the statements made, well, at least they're going to church. I don't get excited about that because they're going to get a false gospel. They're going to get a false hope. They're going to, they're going to get, they're, and then they're still going to be in their lost condition. It matters what house they went to. It mattered that Jesus was there. There's the concern. There was the effort. All of that took place before the miracle. Let me tell you where we fail, and it's because we think this way. We want the miracle without the effort. We want the miracle without the concern. Without the effort, there is no miracle. Without the effort, without the concern, there is no effort. The miracle can take place, and it's what only Christ could do. Now, these individuals, these four individuals, they said, we're going to take this man to Jesus. They chose the house Jesus was at. They were concerned enough to even notice. I wonder how many religious people, even the ones who questioned Jesus, how many of them walked past this man on a daily basis? Never even noticed him. Friend, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, be harsh or critical this morning. But this city is full of religious people who have no concern for those who cannot get themselves to Jesus. They have no concern for the spiritually palsied who will never get to the Lord. And friend, if we don't have concern, who's going to have concern? But then there are some who have concern, but the effort is not made. We must have the effort because it's not our responsibility to do the miracle. See, we like to have a greater part in it than, 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 than is needed. We want the miracle, but we don't want to put in the effort. It's Jesus that does the miracle. We just have to put forth the effort. The miracle takes place, and this man who was carried there walked out the front door. Aren't you thankful this morning that when you were brought to Jesus, you left differently. Aren't you thankful for what Christ did in your own life? Oh, this morning, somebody was concerned enough to get you to the, 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 right, the place with the right focus. Somebody introduced you 
to the Son of God. The effort was put forth, but it was Christ that did the miracle. And can I say in closing this morning, Jesus still does the miracle. Jesus is still capable of doing the miracle. That person you talk to, you may work with, they may live on your street, say, I know they would never get saved. I know they would never. Oh, probably like that palsied man could never walk again. He can never be healed. He can never have his life changed. But somebody had to get him to Jesus, and when they did, their job was done. And the miracle took place. I still believe, I still believe it. I still believe Jesus is saving sinners. If you're here this morning and you're depending on anything other than Jesus and His finished work of salvation, you need to trust Christ today. Pastor, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. But I know Jesus and I know what He's done. And He's paid for the sins of mankind, including yours, including mine, including the most vile, wicked things you could ever think of. Jesus has paid that price. It is truly a miracle of salvation. If you're not saved this morning, He'll save you. If you're here and you're visiting our church today, or you've been visiting our church today, this is what our church is about. It is about making the effort to get others to Jesus so that he can do a miracle. I challenge and remind our church this morning of what the church is about. All of us have a responsibility to help somebody get to Jesus who otherwise could not be there. You know, this would change our perspective, I believe. And as we get all of our outreach ministries going again, all of our soul winning ministries going again, it'd be a good thing for us to be reminded coming out of this pandemic this year that it is still our responsibility to make the effort. It's our responsibility to be concerned. Hey, I know we all have problems. I know we all have needs. I know we all have things. There are Sundays we walk in these church doors like... I just need to take a a deep breath. I just need to be in church. I need to be with my church family. I just need to get strength in myself. I understand we all have those days, but friend, let's not overlook those that if nobody invites, if, if you don't invite them, who is? If you don't make the effort, I mean, Maybe it happened this way. I don't see it in Scripture, so I assume it didn't. I don't think there was an argument with others about who could take him. I don't think there was a line of people ready to make the effort to get this man to Jesus. So if those four didn't do it, who would have done it? Well, I think... The challenge is pretty obvious for you and I this morning. There's still a miracle that can take place. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. You can leave different than you came. You can leave different than you came. For those of us that are saved this morning, aren't you thankful that when we got saved, we left different than we came? The greatest work in the world is to hold the corner of a bed where a sick man lays and carry him to Jesus.
Now, there's not a long line of people who want that job in the church. There's no prestige from an earthly standpoint. What is, what is, what is your job in the church? Well, I just get people to Jesus. What, there is no greater work than getting people to Jesus. Father, I pray.